Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for the 16th of May 2023. I'm Josh and I'm joined by Dan. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about the excess deaths with the vaccine, which of yep. course will not be going elsewhere. Most definitely not on YouTube, that one. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be talking about trolling the media. And then Dan has uh, an uplifting surprise in response to yes. many people saying that you're a harbinger of doom. Yes, I've decided to uh, you know, give one for the audience and um, cheer everybody up a bit with something <laughs> uplifting. <laughs> I'm sure I can figure out a way to make it somehow depressing. No, no, no. It, it, it would be it. a good one, yes. No, right. You're not allowed to be optimistic. Mm. No, I'm, I'm joking, of course. So, um, should, we, should we dive into the first one then? Of because, course. look, in this segment, what I'm going to cover is what I think is probably the biggest story in the world right now. And it's one that is so dangerous to, you know, the established order um, that it can't be discussed on mainstream media, can't be discussed on big tech platforms, which is mm -hmm. exactly why this is not going to appear on YouTube. It's going to be a website and, and Rumble exclusive. We're going to have to talk about these excess deaths. Um, let's have a look at the ONS. So these are the government's own datas who are tracking uh, mortality in the country. And this has been the case now for throughout this year and for you know throughout 2020 as well. There has been a significant increase in the amount of people are dying. You always expect a certain number of people to die in any given week, um, but you've got a baseline for this. You've got the five-year baseline. In fact, the baseline, you know, you can take it back as far as you want. There was a fairly consistent trend, and yes, it tends to, you know, somewhat increase over time with mm -hmm. demographic changes, you know, population getting older and the increase in the population, but we know what the benchmark is. And the, the excess deaths in the UK, and not just the UK, we're talking about across the Western world, United States, um, other developed nations as well. I take well. it you're just using the UK as a sort of case study to then extrapolate yeah, to well, other I, countries. I, I, which... I know the figures in the UK better, but I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is the case for, I mean, all of them, uh, United States, Japan, Western Europe, um, basically um, anywhere else um, that has a certain characteristic in common, um, you are seeing this rise in excess mm -hmm. death. So, so let's quote from the ONS. So this is the British government's own... Uh, statistical service. Now, what they say is in the week ending the 21st of April, 2023, um, the week 16, there were two, uh, 12,420 deaths were registered in England and Wales. 538 of these mentioned uh, COVID-19. Now, this is basically just mentioning something on, on a death certificate. It doesn't necessarily mean they died of COVID. It, it's just simply mentioned. Mm -hmm. So it could be a contributing factor. It could be something else. It could be that the uh, person filling out the death certificate simply decided to add it. Um, so that bit is subjective, but the, the number of deaths, of course, is an absolute. You can't fake that. There is no um, subjective analysis here. It is, it is you are either dead or you're not. Yeah, take that, Schrodinger. Yes, this, this is an increase in all deaths compared to the week ended 14th of April when the number of all-cause deaths was uh, 9,000 something um, uh, of which COVID accounted for, you know, 465. Again, it's just, you know, mentioning that. Right. So the number of deaths was above the five-year average in private homes by 29%. Which is very significant. And I've seen yes. some, some breakdowns mm. of the data and it seems to suggest that um, there is a statistical significance in the increase, which implies oh, that there's so. there's an underlying factor or perhaps multiple factors, mm. which more often than not, there are multiple factors, perhaps a leading one. But the fact that this is a universal trend suggests that it's something that's common 
amongst all countries that seems to have happened at the same time. Mm. Uh, well, and, and of course, I mean, if it was um, because we, we go on to hear later about some of the, the experts trying to, you know, give their explanations for it, and they come across, you know, things like, um, you know, it's an ageing uh, population. Well, why aren't these deaths occurring in care homes? I mean, there are more deaths in care homes, mm-hmm. but why is there also significantly more deaths in younger people at home? You yes. know, that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so the, the biggest increase is in deaths at home. And there's also deaths in hospital, which is 20% above. Uh, deaths in care home, 25% above. And other settings, um, 12% above. So, you know, the you average that out, it is a 22% increase against the five-year average or an extra 2,540 deaths in a week. Right, that we're not That's expecting. Massive, so, isn't it? Well, to put that into context, um, that is the equivalent of um, six full 747s crashing. And, of course, if that happened, that would be remembered for well, hundreds right. of years into the future if it occurred in that manner. Well, give, give, you, give you a comparison. Um, it's a slightly bigger number, but only slightly number. In the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the World Trade Center attacks, 2,983 people died. So that's only slightly higher than the number of people that are dying um, every week in Britain on an excess basis. And yet... Nobody is talking about it. Mm. The, the 9-11 so, terrorist attacks, uh, the events of that day, uh, whoever caused them, triggered a war that lasted for 20 years mm. and resulted in the biggest donation of military equipment to men in sandals that the United States has ever indulged in. <laughs> right? it, w- it was a watershed event. Like you said, it's something that will go down in history books and will be talked about in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, 2,900 people. So and 9-11 a- every week. Yes. And nobody's talking about it. And, and it's not just this week. I mean, go, go, go to the ONS and pick any, any week you like. Um, it, is, it is a consistent trend. And as you correctly say, it is not just happening in the UK. So to this, I'm going to go to Dr. Campbell, who's also been talking about these numbers brilliantly on his channel. Let's see what he's great, he has. Yeah. But that's, that's the data there for Australia. Um, above what we would expect all the time, January 2022 to January 2023. Uh, Canada, likewise, again, this is the 10% line here. So did it just about go down to normal then perhaps? But all of this is above the average and Canadian deaths remain above the average. Um, So excess deaths there, and this is excess mortality, deaths from all cause compared to average over previous years. A lot of excess deaths in Canada. Uh, deaths from all cause compared to the average of previous years, of course, is the same. Denmark, again, Denmark at least fell below average there for a period of time. But again, we see that the bulk of this is above the average that we would expect based on the five-year average. This is an international phenomena that's going on here. And very few people seem to be that concerned about it at least an officialdom. Uh, Germany, again, that's the 0% line there. And we see it's been above average for the vast majority of the time, just dipping below a couple of times. But of course, all this area under the graph are people's lives. Uh, Ireland, again, um, dipping below the 0% once and maybe a little bit now there. But again, the vast majority, well above, sometimes peaking highly above, the five-year average for Ireland. Israel, again, above the five-year average virtually all the time throughout uh, all of 2022 into 
2023. Uh, Italy, again, above the average line, above the 0% marker for the majority of the time in Italy. Uh, Japan, well, this is the 10% line here for Japan. So Japan has been well above for December 31st, 2021, all the way through um, to more recent data. Uh, Netherlands um, went down below a little bit in January 22, but again, the vast majority of the time, it's been above the five-year average, that being the 0% line there. In the Netherlands, New Zealand, that's the plus 5% line there. So New Zealand has always been well above, dropping down to about plus 4%, but again, well above for the vast majority of that time period, January 2022 to April 2023. Yep. So, and, and just bear in mind, looking at all of that data, it, the solid bar, when you can see it, I mean, you can't even see it in the New Zealand one, but that solid bar, that's the, that's the zero bound. So all of that volume under the graph are people dying that shouldn't be dying. Yeah. So it's, it's so harrowing, isn't it? Clearly, I mean, and, and this is this is thousands of and thousands of lives directly ending. But of course, you've got to remember with each of these, there's a family, there's a friend set, there's colleagues, there's people who miss this person. And why is this happening? And why is no politician even acknowledging this? Why is the public health officials? who it is their job to respond to this sort of stuff, refuse to acknowledge it. The media haven't been acknowledging it. Well, they, they have a little bit. There's been a little bit of a, a very tepid acknowledgement from the media. Let's have a look at this Mirror article. So this is an article from the Mirror, headlined, Brits are dying in their tens of thousands, and we don't really have any idea why. So to quote from this, tens of thousands more Brits were dying than expected, and experts aren't quite sure why that is. From May to December last year, there were 32,441 excess deaths in England and Wales, excluding deaths from COVID. Excess deaths are defined as the number of people who died above the five-year average. Yep. That means that 32,000 Brits would be expected to be alive, but are instead dead. They spoke to uh, Professor David Coleman, Emeritus Professor of Demography at Oxford University, and he told the Mirror that nobody knew for certain what had caused so many deaths through last year. He pointed out that post-COVID, the UK's population had changed through, a, through the deaths, a significant proportion of the elderly due to the virus. He explained once those poor people had been packed off, the remaining population should be healthier. There should be a period afterwards where deaths are lower than normal. But that hasn't happened. And the interesting thing about this article is they decided to turn their comments off. It's funny that, isn't it? Yes. Whenever there's a controversial topic discussed, mm. it, it's mysterious that they always know that it's controversial, but then when actually mm. talking about such a thing, it's almost like that controversy disappears, like uh, well, the removal I, I, of it. And, and I, think, I think I know why. It's because I think their readers would have solved the mystery for them had they yeah. left comments on. I'm not sure um, it, whether you're going to have a breakdown in those graphs or on screen. Oh, no, but, um, please, please, please add comment. Um but I, I know that you've spent probably a very large amount of time looking at mm. graphs, so you, you find it pretty easy to spot patterns in graphs. Mm. And did you notice how sharp the peaks and troughs were mm. in lots of the graphs? It seems to indicate um, 
specific significance of specific dates, doesn't it? Almost. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, uh, apart, I mean, there is a, there is a certain amount of when um, things go onto the register, so things can get okay, moved around so by bank be... holidays and stuff like that. So that okay. can add to some of this. Uh, but yes, yeah, certainly there are certain points where we're seeing a significant increase over others. Um, but I mean, more more broadly, I, I just looked to the area under the graph, which shows a, a huge amount of people that should be alive. I mean, for the UK, it's, it's, it's thirty two thousand people who should mm-hmm. be alive this year that aren't. Um, and of course, he went through the list. You know, it is it is all Western countries. I mean, we had to we had to cut him short because there's basically so much of it that we couldn't get through it all. Now, but, um, oh, sorry. Oh, no, um, no, no. But my, my experience of looking at those graphs, when you see these very defined patterns, mm-hmm. it seems to indicate that there's a, a very robust phenomenon underlying that. Right. In that, okay. um, if you have poor data that's quite noisy, mm. there's not necessarily a distinct pattern in the nature of the graph that you see. And this is just something that I've kind of built up by looking at lots and lots of data and graphs when I was studying. Yeah, and and I, I, I want to be careful how I phrase it. So it's, it's difficult not to phrase it with the, with the converse meaning. But this is good data. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's obviously tragic that people are dying, but it's good data because it is so binary. There is mm-hmm. there is no um, interpretation here. You are you either died or you didn't. So you know that is that is a very clear thing. And one of the things I started to realise at the beginning of the pandemic was you wouldn't be able to trust anything coming out of government, with the exception of the death figures, the the total death figures, because there was nothing that they could do to massage that one way or another. People either died or they didn't. Now um, you know we've seen the mirror there trying to figure out, you know, asking the question, why are all these people dying? But, you know, they don't know why and they can't provide an explanation. I noticed that the Express also um, spotted the popularity of that and they decided to do their own version of this, which is essentially the same article, how Britons are dying in their tens of thousands, but nobody knows why. The only difference with the Express article is they forgot to turn their comments off. So, um, be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I jumped in and, and took some screen grabs and uh, I had a look. I went down to the comments section and I, um, I changed it to uh, most popular comments. So let's see what the most, well, I mean, they're all the same, actually. I mean, everybody's basically coming to the same conclusion. But let's have a look at what the most popular comments said. The most popular comment says, it's the COVID vaccine. <laughs> surprise, surprise. The second most popular comment says, maybe it's got something to do with the experimental drugs pumped into a large portion of the population. You're um, looking at the newest there, John. Yeah. Um, you want you you want to you want to click to the, uh, the 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 best or whatever. Um, yeah. Just below there. There you go. we go. Um, Thanks, John. The third most popular comment says it's called the vaccine wake up. And the uh, and and then the, the fourth most popular comment says nobody knows why. I know why, and I'm glad neither me nor my family fell for it. So it would seem that the uh, the commenters are well aware of what's causing this increase. Um, and look, just going to personal anecdotes, you know, I, I know somebody who um, had the, um, oh, was it the AstraZeneca one um, early on when that was being pushed? And she was a runner. She was, you know, took that sport very seriously and she lost 30% of her lungs. She spent months in hospital because it, it, it caused good blood clots. So basic, yeah, and lung horrific. tissue doesn't grow back. And, she, and she's mm. like a oh, like early 20s. So that's life-altering. Yeah. Oh, life-altering. Yes, definitely, definitely. But um, the, the reason I'm yeah. so glib and miserable is, one, just seeing death on such mm. a scale, just whatever the cause, Yes. It, it, it makes one concerned for the future of humanity. And, I mean, <laughs> I'm not the most optimistic of people, but this is just one of the most egregious and... Yeah. 
horrific things you could possibly see. All of my family got the vaccine as well. I didn't. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, my almost my entire world could stand to suffer. Yes. Because of whatever is yeah, underlying this. Because uh, because the public health officials and the government and uh, you know anybody who wants to keep their job within the medical industry is is steadfast ignoring this issue. You know, we're not getting to the bottom of what's going on. Um, you know, give you give you some other personal anecdotes. I mean, I I know somebody who um, was saying, oh yeah, um, you know, my 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 my, uh, my other half, she's been having um, these really bad um, eye issues. You know, she she just randomly goes blind every now and again. And she was in she was in the shops the other day. She had her two kids with her. And she just went blind for about forty five minutes. The, the staff had to look that after the kids for her. Terrifying. And it's like, okay, well, how long has that been going on? Oh, about eighteen months. Right. Well. Do you want to do you want to make the connection as to what happened eighteen months ago, and that was exactly when they went went off and had their jabs, and you know there, there's loads of I'm, I'm sure everybody's got I've, a personal. I've example. got one if you would yeah, uh, yeah, like to it. hear it. Um, one of my close friends, his older brother, who I know because we went to school together, mm. um, he was he's in his late twenties and he had an adverse reaction. He had like heart palpitations, heart mm. inflammation, had to go into um, hospital with it for a few days had to be kept there. And they said it was a, a reaction to the vaccine themselves in yep. the hospital. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a healthy lad in his 20s, similar to me. Yeah. So well, well, I mean, that, it makes that, one yeah. worry. And, I mean, I, I'm very glad that I was sceptical because mm. I did almost think that, well, if we're not going to be allowed to do anything, I, I kind of almost was um, kind of coerced into it because I thought, well... I do want to leave the UK at some point, and I thought it would eternally be closed off, so at least we don't have that. Yeah. So I feel somewhat safer in not having taken it. Yeah, it, it's, it's worth looking at the reasons that people give to try and explain. And, oh, and actually, the other thing I'm going to point out, right, is, and, and this is the point that uh, Peter Laurie made to me in um, in my Brokenomics series, the interview Peter Laurie on in Investing Section 2, that is coming out later today, actually, at 3pm, so that would be a really interesting one. He made the point to me, that, of course, it's not just people dying. Because if you think about it, you know, what death is really, it is, is it is you have an impact to your health that passes a critical threshold. But lots of people are going to have impacts to their health that do not pass the critical threshold of finishing them off, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But they're still going to get, you know, serious injuries. It's going to be my friend who lost her lungs or the friend who, you know, keeps losing her vision all the time. There's going to be loads of people who are significantly impacted by this. And, you know, looking at... Um, you know, the, the example he gave to me is looking at the payout data from life insurance companies and from personal injury um, companies. So this is this is, you know, companies who have had, who've had employees who've suffered disabilities. You know, that data is also showing a significant increase following vaccination. Um, but you know, just for the sake of it, let's have a look at the arguments that people are raising. Um, against this being a, a vaccine-based thing. So um, one of the things that this pref- professor emeritus at Oxford University that I cited earlier in the in the Mirror article, he says, well, people are getting older. People have always been getting older. Yep. <laughs> well, the, the demographics as a whole, the, 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 we have an ageing population because, mm-hmm. of the, because of the, the boomer bubble that came along. So but, yes, the populations are getting older. But, but that's still been going on yeah. for a long time, hasn't it? But you don't, get, you don't get a 20% increase... Between 2019 and 2022. Yeah, people haven't got 20% older yes. in the space of a couple of yes. years, have they? So that, that one doesn't work. The other explanation that you gave, oh, maybe people are getting fatter. 
and again, that's probably true because you know mm-hmm. we have seed oil stuffed into you know everything that you try and eat these days. And imagine being locked at home for a couple of years didn't, didn't help. help. But, I actually got fitter. But again, did be, uh, uh, are people dying twenty percent more because they got twenty percent fatter over lockdown? Does it? I think do it, it it has a sort of elongated effect, doesn't it? You don't die almost immediately. Yeah, but you, you would expect to see a sort of smooth increase in the in the sort mm. of rate of deaths. You wouldn't see you wouldn't see a twenty percent leap. It certainly wouldn't be that massive jagged line. Like we've got a bunch of um, people who are bulimic that have binges and purges, do they? Where you're getting these spikes. Yeah, I don't. The the other explanation people give, and actually, I'm I'm more sympathetic to this one. It is the lack of access to healthcare over the pandemic. That is actually something very significant. That that is definitely true because you know you think about it. um, Delayed diagnosis in uh, diabetes, cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that is going to um, lead to an excess death. So a part of it, I'm certain, is going to be the lack of access to healthcare, right? But that doesn't explain why 30s and 40-year-olds are dying more. And the reason they're dying predominantly is is heart issues. Mm. Now, 30 or 40 years, they, they don't go and get themselves checked out for heart issues. But they don't get themselves checked out at all unless they, you know, they bump into something or they have a serious issue or some part of them really starts hurting. I haven't been to the doctors in about 10 years. Exactly. So I mean, 30 and 40 years are now just, you know, just not waking up in the morning but from a heart issue. Right. How, how is that lack of access to healthcare? So even though, you know, we are seeing an increase in cancers and diabetes and all that kind of stuff, it does not explain the heart issues. So clearly <laughs> that has to be a minority contributor towards the excess deficit that we're seeing. I think um, you're right, yeah. Another one that people always um, throw at me is, oh, the NHS is underfunded. But a trend across the world can be uh, broken down to NHS funding. So the reason we've got excess deaths in Japan is because, you know, the NHS is underfunded. The Japanese just rely on our health service, don't they? Yeah. They're I always mean, in the... I mean, not the Japanese, to be fair, but, I mean, it, it is a sort of... I mean, it's not a national health service. It is, it is an international health service. I'm, That's true, yeah. I, I remember once going to, I think, was it Thomas Hospital in London... When I lived there, and Can't I remember seeing an Indian family turn up, and they still had their bloody suitcases with them. <laughs> and they went in, and um, you know they, they couldn't speak English, but they would—they just went to the front desk because they had their sort of grandmother, and they needed to get some medical care. They had clearly just got off the plane, um, didn't speak a word of English, but you know, just turned up to get medical care. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, but um, but that doesn't explain the Japanese and the New Zealanders, and no, of course yeah. not. And um, just to inject a, another bit of anecdote to mm. some of the data, um, I know some people who work in hospitals, and they said that not only was hospital traffic way, way down, yeah. but also the COVID cases in certainly some places didn't warrant the, the members of staff that they had in. So there's all this talk right. of... Um, yes. That might possibly explain the explosion in the dance routines then. Yes. Um, so not only were they shutting off access for all of the other real health problems, but they had overstaffed for COVID because yes. they anticipated it to be a lot yes. worse than it actually was. Yes, quite. Um, deaths of despair is the last argument that I hear put to me as to why um, this is happening. Well, I mean, despair at the stupidity of people to, to, to raise an argument, yeah. possibly. I might, I might go with that one. Right, now, so now I want to talk about why I think it's the vaccine because, look... The, 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 the main argument that I have as to why I think it's the vaccine, it's because the political and media and um, the, um, the health, public health officials, they think that it's the vaccine. 
How do I know that they think it's the vaccine? It's because they're not talking about this. There is no incentive structure for them not to talk about this. So, you know, I, how have I arrived at this really um, view? You know, you know I, I play a lot of poker. You know, when somebody doesn't bet, that is information as well as when people do bet. Um, in fact, the, in fact, I'm going to give a really good example. Let's have a look at this. So this is a um, this is a sort of question you might get asked in an interview. So it's um, you know it's it's four Pepe's right, and and two of them are wearing yellow hats, and two of them are wearing red hats. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're all fe- facing towards a wall. And for those of you listening at home, one of them is on one side of the wall, and three of them on the other side of the wall, facing towards the wall. Now the interview question generally goes like this. Um, one of them knows what colour hat he's wearing because they know that there's two yellow hats and there's two red hats, but they don't know what colour hat they've been assigned. You know, uh, which of them knows uh, wh- what hat they're wearing? What colour hat? It's the r- frog at the end with the red hat on the, the far right-hand side. How does he know? Because he can see... Well, he knows what hat he's wearing. He no, can no, see- he doesn't, no, he doesn't know what colour hat he's wearing. Oh, well... You, you, can only okay. see, you can only see what you can see in front of you but you don't know what hat is on your own head. Okay. I, I, I'll save you. I, mean, I know you would definitely get there, but uh, I, I'll save you. The person who, who knows what colour hat they're wearing is the, is the second guy on the right-hand side. And the reason that he knows is because he can see that the guy in front has a yellow hat, and he knows that if he was wearing a yellow hat, the guy behind would speak up. So the fact that the guy behind has not spoken up tells him that he must have a different colour hat to the guy mm-hmm. in front of him. You know, the absence of people talking about something is a powerful indicator. So you think about the incentives that's going on here. Um, you know, yes, fine. The um, if Let's say it was some, any of these other explanations. It was the ageing population. It was the NHS being underfunded. The government might not talk about it. But Labour most certainly would. Opposition's party would most certainly talk about this. I mean, the Labour Party, you know, every election that they've won has basically been on the basis of the NHS. NHS is underfunded. That, that is their whole stick. Public health officials, when they talk about public health issues, they get bigger prestige and budget and importance and prominence. There is no way that they would not be talking about something like this. And the media, the media loves health scare stories. There is no way that they should not be talking about this unless all three of those groups, the political class, the media and public health officials, think that they are liable for the harm that is going on at the moment. That is the only explanation that makes sense as to why they're not talking about this. I think it might have been Pfizer. They worked in a clause in their contract that Mm. specified that they're not legally liable for any side effects that was agreed in the government's negotiating Excuse yes. me, with them, and so they already preempted it. Yes, beforehand, so they knew that this. Well, would and plus, come what on. has come out from the from from the Pfizer leaks as well. I mean, so there's no question in my mind there, there were excess deaths, and it's because of it's because of the vaccine, and it makes it makes perfect sense. But you know, that's why this is a uh, a Rumble and website exclusive because we can't talk about this on the mainstream media. We can't talk about this on any big tech platform. So this video is going to get a fraction of the views that um, most of them do. But it's the truth. So I had to say something. Sorry, I was a bit downbeat, but it's a bit of a downbeat subject. That one. To everyone be I know outside of, of this office has been yep. vaccinated, so that's pretty yep. much everyone I know and love it, that runs the risk of dying. So it, yeah, I apologise if uh, yes, 
it mm. was it was a bit stark when you put it all together, to be honest. And I knew that this was the case, but then when you see it all put together, it kind of hits you, doesn't it? And uh, I've not really had that. It most certainly, does. not really had the the cause to have the emotional impact yes. in the same way. I'd just been indignant and annoyed about yep. what happened previously. But, but um, know, we, we're going to have to confront it eventually. Anyway, let, let's beat up on some journalists. Cheer us up a bit. Yeah, um, that's important stuff, though, isn't it? Mm. Um, I need to catch up with my notes. Hang on. Um, where was I? Okay. So I think we can probably agree that the media practices at the minute um, leave a lot to be desired, don't they? I yeah, think that's absolutely. probably putting it lightly. Mm. And um, journalistic standards, I think it's safe to say, have slipped from an already pretty low point in the first place. However, there is a ray of hope, a, uh, a sparkling Good. ray of sunshine in an otherwise grey and miserable world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is trolling them into proper practice. And... Um, I'm going to introduce you to this article, and I'm going to read all of it and pay close attention to some of the details because I'm going to pose to you a little bit of a mystery um, as to the nature of this article because I'm going to single it out for a reason, and I, I want to uh, right. see if you can guess it. Um, obviously, I've told you already before we started, so yes. Dan is exempt, but uh, right. everyone else in the audience um, have a bit of fun spotting some of the things about this article that might make it a little bit different to normal. So it's titled, um, Irish Women's Obsession with Fake Tan is Problematic. Now, that headline on its own, I agree. Not for the same reason that they give in the article, but I think fake tan, um, to to borrow a term from the Americans, which I'm rather affectionate of, actually, which um, is a rare thing for me to praise, American English, but um, it's a bit white trash, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Fake tan. It's kind of an indicator yes. of low social status, in my opinion. Yes, because otherwise you, you you just have a you know a long weekend in the Bahamas, wouldn't you? Well, exactly. It's mm. imitating the wealth of being able to go on holiday without mm. actually having it and getting the tan naturally. And mm. also, it looks tacky. And also, being fluorescent orange, um, despite um, our, yes. our beloved uh, future commander it's, it's, in chief. It's very in much the like breast implants, isn't it? If you, as mm. long as you do a little bit, it. It, it can be enhancing, but mm-hmm. typically they tend to just go way too far. Augment, do not mask. That's yeah. just a good general rule. Mm. But um, that's not anything to do with uh, what I'm actually talking about. Oh, it's right, just a okay. personal gripe. Yep. Um, but um, it's the byline here is, when a white Irish woman dons fake tan for a night out, she is wearing a costume that allows her to experience a fleeting taste of a more exotic identity with none of the obstacles of people of colour face. Colour face. That bit people strange. of colour face. You know, <laughs> sort the grammar out, Irish times. Mm-hmm. But um, if you scroll down, John, um, obviously thumbnail's not that controversial, but um, obviously look at the uh, author there. If you scroll up a little bit, John, just a touch. Um, Adriana Acosta-Cortez. Hmm, okay. That sure sounds like um, someone we know in American politics. Mm. I, I wish I could put my finger on which... Um, Democratic-based, um, democratic New York-based socialist. I don't think based, to be honest. I mean, based in a location. Ah, right, okay, yep, yep. I haven't received a blow to the head. I'm not calling AOC-based, <laughs> don't worry. But right. it, it starts like this. It says, um, Dear Irish women, we need to talk about fake tan, which is already very condescending. I am a Latinx, a term used to describe people of Latin American heritage, woman of colour who grew up as the youngest child in a strict Catholic family, in the south of Guayaquil in Ecuador. I moved to Ireland in May 2015, two weeks before your country became the first to legalise same-sex marriage by popular vote, with the intention of living and working here for two or three 
um, years. But the marriage equality referendum made a huge impression on me. I did not expect such a progressive movement from a historically Catholic country like the one I grew up in. My opinion of Ireland... I accidentally adopted the accent there. No, Ireland. Do, do, I want you to do the whole thing in an Irish accent. My opinion of Ireland was formed. Um, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I have since found it to be a loving, accepting and considerate country, always on the forefront of progressive social change. Unless you're English, of course. Um, they're not loving and accepting then. Um, that is one aspect of Irish culture. Um, sits so uncomfortably with me. I don't know that's grammatically correct, um, the widespread use of fake tanning products. I first noticed the phenomenon a few months after my arrival when a colleague was showing me photographs of her children that were on her desk. Her daughter appeared twice. In one casual photo she had fair skin, in the other she was wearing a beautiful ball gown and her skin was darker than mine. I asked my colleague if her husband was South American. She laughed and replied, no, no, none of us can get a colour. That's straight out of a bottle. I mean, that's I see no problem with that. I mean, other than the fake tanning, which I think is a bit tacky. Yeah. But um, so far, I, I don't see the racism. But um, that might be the point, maybe. I mean... Oh, I, I, I never perceive the racism these days. I mean, I, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just past me. Fake tanning wasn't something that I had encountered much before, but afterwards I started seeing it everywhere, from the bronzed influencers on Instagram to the tanned attendees of local nightclubs. Fake tanning appeared to have ingrained itself into the fabric of Irish society. Ireland has the highest per capita use of fake tan in the world. And a quick search of the Boots website shows 480 various tanning products from 43 brands. So one of the palest places in the world consumes the most fake tan. I mean, one thing that's really interesting surprised. is if you go to um, countries with a lot of sun, you'll often find that their, um, their tanning creams are sold as whitening. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in pale countries, we tend you know, the women tend to want to get darker, and in the dark countries, women tend to want to get lighter. I don't really understand it, because I'm yeah. quite drawn to fair-skinned women in, in the paler sense. Well, um, you know, that, that's, that, that's the thing with these hot countries, is, is they want to be what they're not. So mm -hmm. if, if, they all, if they start out from a darker position, they want to... They, they, the, the, literally, the sun creams say, put this on and you'll get lighter in the sun. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the precise opposite. How, do, how would that work? You take in, like... Negative know. UV rays that make presumably, you paler. Presumably bleach or something, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, this article does go on to mention oh, skin okay. bleaching in Africa. Um, oh, okay. So it says, We can't talk about fake tan without acknowledging the historic context of skin colour and the value that's been placed on it. For centuries, Eurocentric beauty standards have favoured lighter skin tones, often at the expense of people with darker complexions. Racism and colorism, prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone have resulted in marginalization, discrimination, inequality for people of color by artificially darkening skin. Fake tanning culture inadvertently perpetuates the fetishization of high melanin content without acknowledging the struggles faced by those who naturally possess it. Now, um, I actually think there might be a little bit to this. And I, again, I've not been hit in the head, but I think that part of it does come from a fetishization of dark-skinned people because... Mm, there's um, certainly that going on, isn't there? Certainly in music and entertainment, yeah. um, people of um, African heritage are wildly um, overrepresented and yes. to um, thick-skulled people that aspire to be... Such as those, adverts, for example. Yes, that yeah. aspire to be those sorts of people who are towed along by celebrity gossip. Well, they might be a bit self-conscious of how they don't look like the people that they are looking up to. So it, it could be a factor there. 
um, that they are trying to look more dark because oh. I think I've seen this sort of um, ghettoization of, of some I've got to, white I've got women. To say, this just seems like a classically torturously woke article so far. Yes, and uh, if you scroll down a bit, John, because I'm not going to yes. read through too much more of it because I think you get the point. If you go up again and, and look at that picture, that's the uh, author right. there, supposedly. Okay. Notice anything strange about that picture? Um, well, it's it's blue hair, so classical woke, and she's a bit fat. So again, you mm -hmm. know, that that might be why she's decided to go in for left wing politics. But not not the content of the picture itself, but the the nature of the the picture is aspects of it seem uh, not natural. As some might say, the lighting's a bit off. Mm, you know, it, you want you want to get the lighting right. Yeah, but um, let's uh, skip ahead because it just goes on. And it, it it basically is the the cookie cutter arguments of wokeism, but uh, we move on to this next article. Um, here we have a Irish newspaper admits one of its most read articles was an AI hoax, <laughs> and apologises. It says the piece was the paper's second most read article and pr prompted debate on radio and social media. As per the Independent, several social media users also questioned whether the photo and the name of the writer were those of a real person. Many suggested that the byline picture of a blue-haired Latin American woman had been created by artificial Wait, intelligence. So, so that entire article was AI-generated? It was 80% AI-generated, apparently. So it... it they, the AI generated it, and I think they curated it just so it would hit some Both of the together. right notes. Probably, probably removing the bit that says, "as a as a language model, I can't you <laughs> yeah. know, generate a woke model." But here's some suggestions or something. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that that article you've just read, you know, until you told me that it was AI, that is just classic. That's that's just classic Guardian. Mm -hmm. Like ninety percent of of what gets written in the Guardian or any of these other sort of, you know, what's what's the American version? Huffington, and, oh yeah, Huffington yeah, and Post, that. Washington Post. That is all they do. In fact, if anything, that's slightly better written. Yes, um, yeah, fewer spelling mistakes. Well, that like kind of explains why when uh, BuzzFeed before it was Buzz, BuzzFeed News was dissolved, yeah. uh, when they announced they were replacing some of their journalists, I think twelve percent of their journalists were laid off, okay. and they were replacing them with ChatGPT. Their stock <laughs> price trebled. It trebled. <laughs> Uh, the prospect of replacing real BuzzFeed journalists with AI. So the the big problem with AI is that it's at the moment it's not doing much by way of creativity. It tends to take the existing corpus of knowledge and add nothing to it, which is perfect for left wing journalism because they don't they don't do any thinking. You know, no first principles analysis takes place. It is purely going with the herd. So there is no reason why you can't replace all left-wing journalists with just a chat prompt engineer. It, it's very true, yeah. I mean, when you don't have anything original to say, coincidentally enough, you can be automated away. Um, and they have been. Yes, and uh, this was also something that I found funny, that I found uh, the Twitter account of the supposed author of this, and uh, they... Tweet yeah. at the Irish Times, genuinely sad that a once respectable news source has degraded themselves with such divisive tripe. In order to generate clicks and traffic from their website, you need a better screening process than a believable Gmail address. Um, and then they also linked, if you scroll down, John, an article from the Irish Times itself, BuzzFeed meets OpenAI, is the robot infiltration of the media underway? Which is just 
genius level yes. trolling, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, that's that was what, a paying gig for them as well. That's why those of us on the right will be the last in journalism because we go against the narrative so hard that you know mm-hmm. there isn't there isn't enough corpus of knowledge out there for the AI to replicate us. I'd also like to think um, mm. AI couldn't repre- uh, kind of replicate our, our delivery in that. Yes. Left wingers tend to just regurgitate information or mm. talk in a sort of monotonous way about how morally or contemptuous. Or re, yeah. yeah. Mm. But um, yes, um, there's some additional details here that the Guardian have kindly provided. Who I'm not surprised have not been replaced by AI themselves. Um, and it says the person who controls Acosta Cortez's Twitter account told the Guardian on Sunday via direct message. Um, that the Irish Times' apology sidestepped its decision to publish an incendiary article with an extreme left-wing viewpoint in pursuit of clicks. And it, I mean, it certainly was an extreme left-wing article. Hang on, are, are the Irish Times, they, did didn't, they didn't know that they were posting an AI article, did they? No, they, they just thought it was a, a legitimate author. Right. So the only reason that they're upset, other and, than the and backlash... It, and it was their most... Second most, yeah. But it was close. they've ever had. Right. Okay. It's it's funny, isn't it, that an AI <laughs> better than yes ninety nine percent of the Irish Times journalists. An, an AI can can represent a brain dead wokester better than an actual brain dead wokester. <laughs> Remarkable. Uh, it carries on to say the person said um, they were Irish, a college student, and identified as non-binary, which is a bit of a twist, isn't it? You wouldn't expect that from someone who went out of I've their way. I've never figured out what that means. It means they don't identify with male or female. Which well, of I suppose they do because they want to get victim points. It's, it's basically just it's just it's just woman with an extra victim point added on, isn't it? Like an extra half star. When you, if you ever get you've got those at school, four and a half stars. You know. I tend not to get many stars. Oh, okay. To be fair, um, they said they created the Acosta um, Cortez persona by repurposing the Twitter account, which dates from February 2021, by using some Spanish and following Ecuadorian outlets. They said they used GPT-4 to create approximately 80% of the article and the image generator DALI-2 to create a profile picture of a quintessential woke journalist using the prompts female, overweight, blue hair, business casual clothing, smug expression. Well, they basically just need to say, you know, liberal arts educated, don't they? That's all but, that's missing, yes. eh? Yeah. They've yes. got almost a full well, bingo no, that, there. That would have been a catch-all for all of those terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hoax's goal was to give my friends a laugh and to stir the the S um, in debates about identity politics. Some people have called me an alt-right troll, but I don't think that I am. I think that identity politics is an extremely unhelpful lens through which to interpret the world. So part of me thinks that they told The Guardian they were non-binary for a bit of a lark as well. <laughs> Just like, yeah, you can't yes. pin me down. Um, because why would they be complaining about identity politics but be non-binary? So I think they might have... Oh, it's just all made up though, isn't it? They, <laughs> they might have done it again here. Yes. Which I would like to think. In absence of any evidence, I would like to believe. Um, I have actually, um, quickly, going to our website, talked about artificial intelligence on a couple of occasions, all the way towards the origin point of my series, Ooh. Contemplations. Before it was even a popular thing. Oi. You were, you were, you, you, no, no, AI has only really oh, right, been a story in the last six months. Oh, right. But you were talking about it early. <laughs> I wasn't, no, I wasn't, wasn't denigrating. Um, I'm on 130 episodes now. No, contempla- this is, this yeah, is, exactly. Uh, that's my point. Contemplations is great. I hear you've got some great guests coming up. Guests? Hmm. I've got Bo. Um, he's yeah. certainly a great guest. I'll, I'll give you All that. Right. But hmm. I thought you meant an external for a second there. Um, but yes, I talk about the potential. 
of AI technology. And I talked about um, it from a sort of psychologist lens mm. in that I was talking about how they were trying to um, recreate the human brain in a su supercomputer. And they'd already yeah. sort of got the majority share of a, I think it was a mouse brain or yeah. like a shrew brain that they created that would yeah. operate in a comparable way. I don't quite know how it works logistically, but there's... Yeah, it's, it's increasingly looking like... Because that always used to be how they thought they had to replicate intelligence mm -hmm. in computers. It's increasingly looking like you can do a shortcut of it. You know, I think that's the, probably the, the, the analogy is, the case, is yeah. that even with modern technology, we really struggle to produce a flying machine that flies the way a bird does. Because the way a bird flies, you know, it's obviously flapping wings, but more than that, it's self-repairing. Um, it has to be made using only the most abundant elements, carbon, oxygen, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas the way that we fly is basically we just get a whole load of aluminum and put rocket fuel in it and just go really fast. Aluminium? Um, yes. <laughs> did, I did, oh, oh, God, I didn't say aluminum. Did you I? did. Oh, God, punch me now. But anyway, um, the point is that we, we achieve flying for a different mechanism. And it looks like what we can do with AI is basically just use large language models to um, shortcut the um, intelligence accessing process. So, yeah, fascinating mm -hmm. one, that one. Glad you were on it in the early days. Thank you very much. And I also, um, uh, perhaps a bit later to the party, also discussed, um, will superintelligent AI destroy humanity? And I was just uh, mm. kind of going through uh, some of the Well, we're, we're, we're certainly in a race, aren't we? Because it's either going to be the left or AI. So if AI wants to destroy humanity, it's going to have to you know, pull its socks up and get a move on. Mm -hmm. There won't be anything left before long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a mm. healthy amount of competition, and if anything, mm. we know competition breeds innovation. So yes, let's see what it can do. Mm -hmm. But um, there have been some other recent examples as well of people um using media to kind of media um AI to troll the media, even the other way around. Um, ChatGPT is making up fake Guardian articles, and I think this is more the AI itself in that it's it's collating. Guardian articles and then making ones up on topics that haven't actually been discussed and just selling it off as being but, a legitimate thing. So it's like <laughs> it's like faking that's, its sources. That's, that's what the Guardian have done for the last 30 years. I know, it's and just, they have the, the gall to complain about it. But it says, last yeah. month one of our journalists received an interesting email. A researcher had come across um, mention of a Guardian article written by um, the journalist on a specific subject from a few years um, before, but the piece was proving elusive on our website and in search. Had the headline perhaps been changed since it was launched? Had it been removed intentionally from the website because of problems we've identified? Or had it been taken down um, by the subject of the piece through legal means? The reporter couldn't remember writing the specific piece, but the headline... <laughs> <He> couldn't tell. <laughs> but the headline certainly sounded like something they would have written. It was a subject they were identified with and had a record of covering. Worried that there, were, that there may have been a mistake on our end, they asked colleagues to go back through the system to track it down. Despite the detailed records we keep of all of our content, and especially around um, deletions or um, legal issues, they couldn't find no trace of its existence. Why? Because it had never been written. Luckily, um, the researcher had told us they had carried out their research using ChatGPT, in response to being asked about articles on the subject, the AI had simply made some up. Its fluency and vast training data it is built on meant that the existence of the uh, invented piece even seemed believable to the person who absolutely hadn't written it, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> when you can't tell whether you've written something or not. Right? 
And um, yeah. the, the funny thing is that this whole debacle, you think, well, that's kind of an innocent thing. That's something to laugh about. Well, yeah. um, it's meant that The Guardian has had to spend more money, which is only a good thing, in my opinion. Oh, no. So this one incident um, has Using led a mortgage to, trust fund. Mm-hmm. We've created a working group and small engineering team to focus on learning about the technology, considering the public policy and IP questions around it, listening to academics and practitioners, talking to other organisations, consulting and training our staff, and exploring safely and responsibly how the technology performs when applied to journalistic use. Oh, which sounds God's like sakes. that is such a guardian way of solving a problem. There's, I wonder how many people are hired in doing that. In, in the Murdoch press, it would just be Murdoch will say, right, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they need to form a committee. That's why a, a, the Guardian newspaper, circle. like the people who yep. read it, live off of a trust fund. Yes. And, um, yeah, I, I think this is amusing because you can pretty much use AI now to waste the Guardian's money and, and contribute to bankrupting it, as well as embarrass, yes. you know, the Irish Times as well. Yes. The, the trolling possibilities really are endless. And um, although I can't legally advocate for it, what you do in your own time isn't up to me. Um, there was also this one, which um, got the Daily Mail as well. Reports of actor dying of 12 plastic surgeries, a hoax. This is the Daily Star, which has the gall to uh, criticise people on their journalistic practices. This is, seems to be an artificially generated image, I don't know. Um, but it says a report circulating about a 22-year-old actor named Saint Von Colucci dying after undergoing 12 cosmetic procedures to look like BTS's Jimin. I presume that's one of those uh, J-pop people. Oh, no, not J-pop, K-pop. Not a clue what that is. Uh, Korean pop music. Oh, it's, right, okay. it's very off-piste for my taste, personally, but uh, right. I hear yeah. that some people like it. Um, Fair enough has turned out to be an elaborate hoax involving the use of artificial intelligence. News of the alleged death was first reported on April 24th by the Daily Mail and has now been pulled. So it is another AI-generated story that has uh, put the, the press in a spot of bother. And I think that this um, is quite promising for the future. Like, there's, there are lots of fun potential applications for this, aren't there? Well, yes, like putting the entire left newswing uh, news industry out of business. That's yes. that's not even trolling. That is just good business at oh, this yes. point. It makes way more sense to just mm. have chat GPT writing 12 articles at once than employing all the Guardian yes. staff. You might actually get some better arguments as I well. I mean, the people reading them don't think about them anyway, so it doesn't matter. They're basically NPCs to begin with. Yes, so they're, yes quite. They're not even conscious. No, that's not true. Um, but this sort of thing has been putting the fear of God into the media <laughs> for quite some time. And I wanted to uh, review some of the articles about it. Here's... Um, Slate, I think this was um, from 2022, talking about the 4chan AI, which right. was trained on 4chan and just became very racist and trolled people and all sorts of usual 4chan things. Is, is Slate the one that's gone out of business recently? Uh, no, it's BuzzFeed News uh, and right. Vice News, which got bailed out by Soros anyway. Oh, I see. So okay. they're, they're going to become they're all the same worse. And uh, also we have the Daily Star here talking about a similar thing. Worst AI ever, loves to make unspeakable, horrible racist posts and troll online. Hmm. <laughs> I'd like to think that if all of the people doing this sort of thing online were arrested, rounded up in some sort of spate of authoritarianism, one person with an AI and a running computer could send the whole system into meltdown because this was able to um, post about 10% of um, 4chan's posts in one day, like 10% of all the posts on the entire website. 
right. or from this AI. So it's very industrially racist as well. Um, what it makes up for in subtlety, it, uh, it compensates for sheer bulk. It does indeed. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, moving on to this next one. Rapid growth of news sites using AI tools like ChatGPT is driving the spread of misinformation. This is Euronews, which is generally speaking a good bellwether for what's on the globalists' minds. It's right. Everything they publish is basically um, sort of WEF agenda approved. Right. Lots of boxes ticked. Yes. And um, so they don't like we... the competition for their own misinformation. Then apparently not. Um, it clearly undermines the very deliberate and designed misinformation made mm. by a human. And we have another one here um, titled, Be Very Scared of AI Plus Social Media in Politics. Right. Just, just telling you to be scared. Yeah. And finally, we have Cyber News, um, which is more of a threat to the West, AI-written fake news or human trolling? What about neither? Yes. Well, let, let's make a good go of both, so you mm -hmm. can see how far we get. Yeah, but um, there's a bit of a downside in that... Um, these sorts of things are being used by the regime in that Amnesty International has been using it to generate fake protest pictures for their websites and promotional material. Um, a German outlet um, published an interview with Michael Schumacher, who has not been uh, out of the house since his horrific accident, and they used AI to generate an interview, which led to his family understandably suing them. That's that's rather poor taste. It is in very poor taste. I, yeah. I don't think that should be done. And they have also been proposing potential solutions. So we have the BBC here, fake Trump arrest photos, how to spot an AI-generated image, and they're trying to teach people how to spot them. Yes. And uh, Google has also tried to go into a bit of damage control here. Google will label fake images created with its AI, but of course, Google's not the only one. And uh, again... We have uh, NPR, AI-generated deepfakes are moving fast, but policymakers can't yeah. keep up, which is just this, this kind will of all be solved and... in the next five years with zero knowledge proofs. Mm -hmm. But don't ask me to explain that because it will take yeah. ten minutes. I, I don't really understand it anyway, but right. I, I know the gist. Um, and finally, um, the Chinese are also persecuting people for using AI um, to generate so-called fake news. So, I think right. the Western world is going to take this model of. If you yes. use AI to create a fake story, you are going to be arrested. And I think it's, I'm calling it, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen soon because the power within this to um, yep. to disrupt the regime is massive. And it would be very terrible if you were to do it. Definitely don't do that um, because it could get me in trouble uh, for covering it. But nevertheless, I thought it was a bit of a uplifting news that there, there are things you can do to to fight the power. But legally, you can't do them. No, no. Right, so we, should we, following your uplifting bit, let's, let's do a bit more uplifting, because um, I don't know if you noticed, Josh, but um, it, it turns out that um, people leave comments on the YouTube bit as well. I, I've been I, working... There's a comment section. Yeah. I've never, never yeah, heard of I, that. I, I've been working here for literally about three months before I realised that people were leaving comments under the YouTube videos as well. Are you not uh, being tongue-in-cheek now? Is no, that I'm, I'm seriously not, because oh, right. the focus here is all on the website, isn't it? Because we, mm -hmm. 
um, you know, we get comments coming on our own website, and we and we always read those, and we, and we mm-hmm. read them out at the end of the show. Um, so you know, that, that's that's my that's my plug for this section. You know, go come come to the website, and you, we, you, we will actually read it. Yeah. yeah, we will actually read your comments. I read um, all of them actually. Yeah, yeah. but th- then then I realised that actually, you know, we we got a whole social media team here putting this stuff out on on the different socials, and it's going out on YouTube anyway. So there's like honestly, like every YouTube video is like, is like over a thousand comments of of, of you know stuff that, that people have put there. Um, a couple of interesting things I've noticed is that if you make a small technical mistake in one of the segments, the comment section just explodes. Oh, oh, you've noticed that, yes. have you? Oh, yes. that's so. So that's in, funny, in, in, in one of my videos, I got um, hydrofluoric acid and hydrochloric acid <laughs> switched up, <laughs> and it made absolutely no difference to the point I was making whatsoever. But there must have been at least a thousand comments pointed that out. Every one of them so pleased with themselves for having spotted We've this. We've just got a very large yes. section of chemists in our audience, I think. Or or Aspergers. I mean, honestly, if, As- <laughs> if Aspergers maybe. were flammable and a match got anywhere near our comment section, you know, windows would be shattered in Paris. You'd see the explosion from the International Space Station. So a poor audience. Yes. Um, but anyway, so when I when I discovered this, um, you know, I, I went and had a look uh, to see what people uh, were saying because you can do a sort of control F and you can search your name. And it doesn't work on all of my earlier videos because, again, it didn't really matter that I missed the first three months because for the first three months, people in the comment section, they just called me the guy on the left. Because... <laughs> Yeah, because because you know, obviously, a one-syllable name is a bit difficult for the Utahs. I always so they, like sitting. Um, I always dislike sitting on the left because when people don't know my name, they say, "Oh, that that guy on the left." Yes, so it makes they, it sound yes. like I'm a left winger. Yeah, so so they, they they did that a lot, but um, but then then they figured out my one-syllable name and they they started posting and 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 I you know I had a look at what they were saying, and it turns out that people think that my segments are a bit depressing that I basically just bring people bad news all the time. Here's an example. Here's here's a selection of comments um, that I found after having a bit of a dig. And, um, yeah, so um, and Graham sums it up. If you think things might be going to uh, poopy, then nothing makes your mind up faster than a Dan segment. Um, you know, that, that, that's the sort of stuff that people are um, putting up there. So I thought, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a uplifting positive segment. So then I had to think about it, and I thought, okay, what is the one thing that all religions, races, and creeds, all political you know, classes, um, all age groups, what's the one thing that we can all agree is a good thing, Josh? Drinking water? Nope. Fine women. So this is going to be a section on very fine women indeed. And the way that I'm going to do it is, is, oh is specifically I'm going to talk about the new social media craze um, which is the WWYD competition that's been running on Twitter and is now in its sixth season. WWYD stands for Who Would You Do? It's being run by, um, and we got a, we, we got a, the, the chap. It's being run by um, Roland Rat. Um, we got his, we got his Twitter handle there. Did I? Oh, maybe I didn't put it. Oh, maybe I didn't put it in. Yeah, there we go. So, um, so it's being run by this Roland Rat chap. Now, Roland Rat was a um, an eighties children's entertainer. And who, like many um, 80s entertainers, has had to reimagine himself. So he's transitioned into doing, you know, various fan clubs. So he's he's got a fan club for Tony Blair, who is mm-hmm. the man who ruined Britain. He's got a fan club for Mario from Super Mario Brothers, who, of course, saved the princess. And he runs another fan club for Julius Eveler, who mm-hmm. is a mid-century um, philosopher, poet, 
painter and political philosopher. I also heard that he's gone into the business of selling Welsh salted butter on the side. I, I don't really understand right. the connection, but um, I heard awfully rugs. strange. I heard rugs, but rugs. Um, oh, that too, yeah. But but very more, strange. More, more recently, he's, he's got into this uh, WWYD competition. Um, and it's uh, it's proved to be a bit of a sensation. It's got tens of thousands of uh, people participating in it. It's had hundreds of um, premier women uh, entering this competition um, to see how they get on. Now, I thought that you'd be the perfect person to discuss this in because, of course, you've got your background in behavioural economics. Mm-hmm. So you can help me decipher you know, what it is that's going on here and, and what's really working. So the first thing to note with this competition is... Basically, every time it's won by Jennifer Connolly. Really? Yes. So, I don't um, even know who that so, is. Um, here we go. We, we, we got a video. So this is uh, this is this is Jennifer interesting Connolly. Interesting choice now, of clip there. Um, uh, this is this is a clip of. We're going to have to describe um, you know this section for those who are listening at home. But this is a clip of Connolly from the 1991 film Career Opportunities. Um, and, and for those who are listening, um, Connolly is here in a tight white top, sat on top of one of those mechanical horses that you put a coin in, and then they start to rhythmically gyrate. Um, and uh, Connolly is, uh, you know, what, what, what's the adverb I want here? Um, gyrating softly <laughs> on the top of this thing before turning to the camera to give a, a, coy, a coy smile. So, so tell me, Josh, with your behavioural economics advanced degrees, what are people seeing here? Well, I, I'm I'm not necessarily surprised that there's a ten-hour version, considering what's being shown here. I, I yes. feel like there's um. So it's it's a segment from a film, um, and then somebody clipped it and looped it and made a ten-hour version of it. It's a recent video on YouTube, but I noticed it already has eleven thousand views. So, um, it's it's clearly speaking to people. But Connolly has done. Well, she's the girl from Labyrinth. Do you remember that film? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you you can't you, you can't include those shots because she was like seventeen <laughs> when that came out. But but in in the later films and Ashley. Um, the other thing I'd say about um, Connolly is, um, you know, let, let's go to the um, um, the Top Gun shot because, because obviously the thing with women is, you know, after the age of about twenty four, it's. But but I mean, look at this, right? She's fifty one, absolutely smoking. She's aged well, hasn't she? Yeah, very good. So you you can see why, um, you know, perhaps why uh, she 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 keeps winning the uh, winning the competition. So I mean, it, it could just be she's got a list of tasteful cosmetic surgeons as well. I mean, it's difficult to tell. Uh... I mean, possibly. not everyone ends up looking like uh, possibly, but I think I think she probably started Michael out with Jackson. a very good sort of genetic base. That's true. Yeah, that that probably helped a lot because um, you know she was she was quite remarkable in some of the some of her earlier stuff as well. Um, but it's not just Connolly who does well in this competition. Um, another one, um, Zoomers won't know who I'm talking about here, but um, Cindy Crawford. Let's have a look at this. So this is a this is a Pepsi advert um, from the '80s, and I've got to say, you know, this this is how adverts. This is how adverts used to be. So it starts off with a hot car. She pulls up in a, in a Ferrari. And then it's a pretty girl on a sunny day. And then in a minute, you're going to get product. There you go. She's she's putting a coin in a Pepsi machine. Pepsi can should still look like that, shouldn't they? That classic branding. There you go. Yeah, she's drinking, she's it. drinking it's, it's a good Pepsi. Branding. It's, it's any sort of PR or marketing firm yes. can tell you a good logo can do yes. do you wonders for your PR unless of course um, you're well, a mid-century and, journal. Yeah, well, and, and and the rest of the attributes that go into it. but you know adverts used to be like that you know nice and uncomplicated that that makes me want to buy a Pepsi because you know it's it's, it's got a cis woman in it um, <laughs> a what a, a, a cis woman because <laughs> because these days you know adverts are so bloody um, political aren't they mm-hmm. I mean well, if, 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 if you're that watching... was being made today 
if you're watching TV in the UK, it yeah. certainly wouldn't be a white woman selling no. a product. They no white people mysteriously be, have stopped you know, selling might, things. It might be now. a chap lipstick on or something like that. But um, I don't know. Don't know if you heard, but um, Sports Illustrated, you know, they do their swimsuit cover. They've decided to put Martha Stewart on their next issue. Seems um, she's eight, she's eighty one. Now look, Seems I, I want a little bit uh, past it. Well, look, I, I, I don't know if I'd use that terminology. <laughs> I, I want to be very clear: if there are any ladies in their eighties watching this segment, you know, I've, I, I, I have nothing but uh, respect mm-hmm. for women in their eighties. You know, I think if, if, if you know, if you get to that age, what you want to be doing is, you know, putting a bit of volume into your hair. Maybe a colour, not a primary colour, obviously. Um, <laughs> maybe a scarf or a carafe. You know, some nice neutral beige tones, possibly some pearls, a bit of blush. You know, you do that, and the major's heart rate will be racing. You are describing like the archetypal um, grandmother there, aren't yes, you? Yes, but you know, you, 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 I think, I think if you play it right, you can, you can bring a lot of glamour to your bridge game. You can certainly age gracefully. Yes, the, uh, the, the, the major, the major will be shifting uncomfortably in his, in his <laughs> rocking chair and rearranging his lap blanket. So, you know, I, 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 I am all for older women, but <laughs> perhaps not. In a bikini on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That's what I was alluding to. Yes. Yes. In that it, there's a, a time and a place for an older woman, but it's not on the cover of. Yes. Uh, one of those magazines. No, quite. And 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 you know and and um you know what 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 the um sort of the marketing departments are trying to push us today is either like I say a, a chap with lipstick on that we you know we're not supposed to notice or something or it's it was that you know Lizzo Lizzo sensation. Lizzo, yeah. We we got a clip of Lizzo. Yeah, oh, so so she appeared in the eyes. yeah, she Anyone appeared in the WWYD competition, um, and she went up against Pretty Patel and lost by the biggest margin in that in the competition. Trolling, surely. Well, Either that or people were very annoyed with Pretty Patel. No, no, no. So she lost against Pretty Patel. Oh right, so Pretty oh, Patel therefore has the has the highest um, you know one one round score in the whole thing, and that's you know. Patel, An easy so. win for her, really. Yes, it, is, it was a bit, but um, no, it's um, no. She she got knocked out, I think, in in round one when she made it. Um, another one who does very well stop. is Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, here, here we go. This is this is a good one. Again, I, I'm I'm worried that the Zoomers are going to have no idea who we're talking about, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, so um, you know the uh, the lovely lady from Scarface, which is this clip, but also um, Catwoman um, from Batman, and um, you know whatever else she did. Um, I can't remember off the top my, of my, my head. My mind's a blank now, but um, but no, lo- lovely, lovely lady is Michelle. She she does very well in the competition. Um, Kelly Brook, that's the next one. She she also does very well. I've actually met Kelly a couple of times. Oh really? Yeah, because um, in in the early sort of two thousand tens, we often ended up going to the same sort of events. <laughs> um, the only annoying thing is that with these sort of events, it's quite often the way they do it is they have like a load of paparazzi on one side. And they're like a made-up wall or or a banner thing on the other side. So you'll be trying to get into the event, and like Kelly Brooks ahead of you, and and she she she'll stop at the wall and start you know working the camera and throwing out these shapes and whatever. I can't do it, but you know <laughs> d- doing doing the thing, and then the paparazzi be like snapping for two or three minutes, and then you'd be sort of you know back there kicking your heels, you know just waiting for. Because I mean, the, the whole reason I went to these things is because you know, um, you know, being in finance brokers, they can't bribe you directly, so they tend to give you tickets to stuff. 
Oh, so I, right, I, yeah. I would then say, okay, well, does it have a free bar? And they always did. So I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm up for that then. But so they'll be kicking <laughs> around, you know, uh, at the back waiting for Kelly Brook to go in. Um, and, and, and then it's like, oh, okay, it's my turn to move then. It's like, oh, bloody hell, Danny Minogue slipped past me. And you have to repeat the whole process again. And I'm just like looking at, looking at this thinking, well, I want to get a beer. <laughs> so I ended up carrying a hip flask in the end. That was the. I uh, always take a hip flask. Yes, yeah, so that's, sorts that's, of that's the best way to do it. But anyway, Ke- Kelly does well. I, I did see a couple of good reasons why people are interested. Yeah, huh? yeah. Let's let, let let's do analysis of the uh, whatever it is um, the, the third round. If we, if we here we go. So 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 this is the competition. Just scroll down, John. So um, you know the third round, and, and this gives you a sort of measure for the um, for those who have performed exceptionally in this competition. Cindy Crawford beat Anna Hathaway. Anna's, of course, lovely. Scarlett Johansson, her opponent was knocked out for, for technical reasons. Penelope Cruz built, beat uh, Cameron Diaz. Um, who, who's this? Anna Diarmas was beaten by Michelle Pfeiffer. Anna Diarmas, that's the, that's the Bond girl, is it? I don't know. I, right. I okay. basically dropped out of all popular culture because most of it is rubbish. Yeah, it's after about 2010. Yeah, it's not really worth watching, is it? Brooke Shields beat Natalie Dormer. Um, uh, what else have we got? Oh, we got uh, Jane Seymour was beaten by Monica Bellucci. Uh, oh, I've got I a section on her coming Bellucci up. will uh, do well. Yes. Oh, there we go. Um, let's see. Kira Knightley was beaten by Selma Hayek. Now, Kira Knightley, I'm sure she's a lovely girl, but I, and I normally go for the for the athletic look, but it's a bit it's a bit ironing board with nipples, isn't it, Kira Knightley? I don't know. I I kind of like that. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, I, quite skinny. I, Selma Hayek. Dainty. Selma Hayek is remarkable. I've got to say. I'm, I don't know who that is. Oh, for God's sakes, Josh. Dust still dawn. Sorry. Oh, for goodness sakes, man. <laughs> Dust- <laughs> that was a, that. I mean, that was the first time I sort of really noticed it was uh, it was the Dust still dawn. She's the um, sort of the vampire queen, but she comes out wearing a snake and a you know feather outfit and stuff, and she's dancing. And I remember looking at that time and being utterly confused by it because I remember thinking. You know, CGI is not good enough to make a woman that beautiful, but there's no way a woman can be that beautiful. I was I was awestruck by by that film when it came out in whenever it was like 1996 or or whatever. So so I like Selma and um and and the last one was um, Lauren Jaguar was uh, beaten by Liz Hurley. Don't know who who, who Lauren is, um but um but but Hurley tends to tends to do quite well in this uh, competition. So yeah, um let's focus on some of the other the other top winners here. Um so Bellucci. We've got a section on Bellucci, so fair enough. Yeah. What were you telling me about something about beauty is all down to testosterone or something? Oh, so the I, I made the distinction between yes. sort of the, the pretty and more typically dateable wife material and right. hot. And okay. typically the difference is between a, a very pretty woman, more, more typically my oh, taste. She's crying there, that's hot. Oh. Carry on. I can't carry on from that. <laughs> you were you're saying the difference between um, marriable and mm-hmm. sort of film star looks is... So basically, uh, I think a, a lot of the time, these women that are regarded as, as hot are, are slightly less on the, the heavily feminine hormonal balance than otherwise. In so that you're, you're saying the, the hottest women have more testosterone? A touch more, yes. Uh, really? Which is a bit strange. Um, so if, if, it, if, if you ever if, if you ever lucky enough to get with a, a, a particularly fine woman, you should say no homo. Yeah, yeah. Apparently so. Um, no, um, <sighs> it it's only very slight. It's obviously not 
There's no right. overlap with actual men, but you know that the sort of traits of the, the quite defined and, and low brow, right. and then they've got sometimes a bit of a, a defined jaw, whereas so, estrogen... So do, is, is Monica displaying these these traits here? Um, Not to an excessive degree, certainly, but there's right. okay. perhaps a little bit more so than average. Okay. Um, but she's she's no struck the balance this. quite well, I would say. But right. um, someone who's... Um, very, very typical of, of femininity will have quite a rounded face or a okay. little bit pointed and will be kind of dainty and not necessarily, you know, a six foot model with oh, you know, I see. voluptuous right. features. I see. So so the, the, the trick to, to to for superstardom is just a tiny a tiny bit of testosterone but not too much. As I understand it, yeah. That is fascinating. I didn't know that. <laughs> fascinating. Next on the list we've got Jessica Alba. What can we say about this for those who are listening behind? Uh, this is Jessica Alba. Um, She's uh, doing doing a bit of a dance. Got the large hoop earrings and a, a very scantily clad top, yes. which is, I think I feel like she's trying to imitate uh, culture she perhaps doesn't belong to. Um, oh, um, but uh, you know, love, lovely lady. Uh, next one, we've got. Um, oh, this is my personal favourite, Sybil Shepherd. Now there is a bit of there is a bit of controversy. Uh, with Sybil, because as you can see there, for those who are who are listening, what I'm showing you at the moment is a shard of divinity. This is probably the finest woman who has ever lived, <laughs> with the sole exception of my good little lady wife, um, who of course is good is caveat, the fine, good save the there. For me. But Sybil, Sybil is absolutely wonderful. Now Sybil has been um, removed from the WWYD competition. Uh, it was a it was a very bad decision from the ref, um, a guy called Stephen Day. Um, and 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 he he's basically kicked her out. And look, I'm I'm look, you all adults here. If you want to go and have a word with this OG rap person, then you know you you have a word and let him know that this doesn't this shouldn't stand because Sybil is obviously absolutely delightful. So um, yeah. at least she's not wearing heavy makeup like many of the modern people that you showed. Yeah, true class act. She she's the one from um from Taxi Driver again. The mm-hmm. the, the, the Zoomers are going to have no idea what I'm talking about here, but um you know. Uh, Striking lady. Now, also, um, before we came on, I asked Josh for his example of um, um, feminine perfection. Oh, you're stitching and, me up properly you, here. That wasn't well, what no, you I, asked. No, I'm not stitching you up. You, you gave me your answer. You, your answer was Santa Marin. What? Well, you, actually, <laughs> don't. And this is the most unflattering video. No, is it? You mentioned Kim Yo Jun. You had you had her, and I said out of. People in politics. T- tell, t- she's t- probably t- t- one t- of t- the t- better Tell the audience ones. who who Sanin Marin is, just in case. She's basically a wef stooge for Finland. Right. But, um, she, that's a bit more of a, a flattering she, picture She's of the her. Um, yeah. the Finnish prime minister, is she? Well, she was. I right. Think. Oh, okay. Up until recently. So um, that's definitely not. She, her. I mean, she's um, quite striking. I've got to say. In fact, I've I've heard that um, Finnish people are the most attractive people on earth. I think studies show. Were the studies conducted in Finland? No, no, no. I think these uh, are. So, for all we know. Um, Santa Marin is just considered standard. You know, may- maybe Finns look at her the same way we look at Theresa May and um, Liz Truss or something, mm-hmm. and they just think, oh, it's just a standard politician. Maybe she's maybe she's baseline mm-hmm. for out there. But um, but uh, no, I-, I-, I can see why you chose her, Josh. Um, well, after yes. throwing me under the bus, you had the decency to pull me out again. Thank you. <laughs> because what you are... I think she's lovely. What we were talking about was... Um, Politicians, because you mentioned uh, well, I, I, Kim Jong Un. I, 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 I have, I have, I have in a previous, Chum, I have in a previous reason. segment said I've, I, you know, I do quite like AOC, even though 
I realise you know she she's um, a bit, bit of a, a bit of a wide nose, don't you? Think? Yeah, well, a bit, bit, bit of a bit of a dictator would want to be, but mm-hmm. but also the the full the full version of that, of course, is going to be as you mentioned, Kim um, Jong Un's sister, which is uh, Kim Yo Yong. I've I've got to say this is a rather exotic little number, right? The reason the reason that I quite like her, right, is because it's a bit like those guys who climb mountains freestyle, you know, without the ropes. What the the danger of it? You mean? Yes. So 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 basically, um, a, a conquest of 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 either you know um, Kim Jo Yong or um, climbing a mountain freestyle is that you need to have before you start absolute faith in your abilities <laughs> because if you if you fumble at a crucial moment you're dead mm-hmm. so you know that is 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 i think a little bit uh, a, a twist of danger you know a, a touch of excitement that um that you just don't get otherwise i so, do know what you mean strangely yes. not necessarily mm. in her case because i think there's there's danger and risky women and then there's sister of north korean dictators yes um, but the, the, what you're saying about uh, an element mm. of danger, I, I understand yes. that part. Because, you know, um, I've, I've, I've never really got into this whole manosphere thing or, or, or what they call themselves, the PUAs, the pickup artist thing. It's a little bit lame in my opinion. Yeah, well, but the, the thing is, because, you know, they, they, they give you their random stories of their, their conquests and it's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not particularly impressed because there's like four billion women on earth. So if you're, if you're telling <laughs> me about some, some um, Tennessee waitress, I mean, okay. But, I'm but, always uh, uh, of the you, opinion that a gentleman does not kiss and tell. You well, don't, you yeah, don't... Well, well, these people do. But you know what I'm saying is is is, is if you are in the um, the PUA community, what I want you to do is fly to North Korea, and um, <laughs> and woo um, Kim Jo Jong, That's and then, the and real then send, send us back a selfie of you two with her with a sort of satisfied, lazy-eyed look in her face, and then um, make it out alive, and then I will be impressed by the PUA community. That's that's my message, but um, I hope you enjoyed that segment, and that was something to you know really lift everyone up and uh, bring us all together. Okay, on to the comments. Um, sometimes the reading list is good, sometimes it's not, and then there's Jennifer Connolly on a rocking horse. So there we go. Oh, John's got. Oh, something. have we got video comments? Oh. Oh. There you go. You want to put some bonnets and press us? You want to tie us down and pull me on a pentagram and pull wax all over me? Ah, oh, I've been a bad boy. That was somewhat concerning, but also <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> if only Callum were here to be weirded out by that, I'd love to see his his look of pure be- I, I, bewilderment. I, I, I missed half of that, but I'm gonna, um, I'm it was. <laughs> it's basically just a, a clip of Callum and Connor, and they oh. got what looked like a robot to say Callum is so submissive and breedable. Moving on. Yeah, um, moving on. Further to Carl's request for an Englishman's perspective on Canada, Canadians are casual to the point of slovenliness and their social attitudes are tolerant to the point of blithe acceptance. Younger women have agency, are woke and aim for political power. But for practical skills, consider snipers with the longest range kills. Canadian men are overrepresented. Current day Canada can best be summed up by this Southern Ontario map of the last general election results. Note the sea of conservative blue and the liberal red stepping stones leading from Windsor on the border with Detroit through London, Kitchener-Waterloo, where I live, Toronto, Kingston, and on to Ottawa. There is a harsh rural-urban split that Trudeau has created. 
That's very interesting. I've, I've not necessarily yeah. looked at the breakdown in Canada. I know that there's very much that split both in the UK and the US. So it's nice to know that it seems to be some sort of universal of the, the Western world at this point. One thing that always bugs me about these uh, principled moderate types, my brother's among these types actually, is like they'll watch your videos and agree with everything you say, but then say like, the, but the conservatives are just too extreme. If I were to vote for them, it would stain the morality of my soul. They will then turn around and vote for the far-left parties whose many sins and vices they are fully aware of and not somehow view this as violating their principles. Why is this? No, I, I think it's, videos, it's... They've recognized that you might get ostracized for your beliefs if you're beyond a certain threshold. And I think that is true, but they're just not willing to take a, a leap uh, of faith... Yeah, this is the thing that, I mean, they're herd animals, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And um, I've always been kind of against the grain. I I kind of see a consensus or a majority and I want to stick my middle finger up at it rather than anything else. So, um, contrary to the core, one might yeah. say. We've got one more video coming. It looks Sometimes like people get names wrong and then the person has to clarify the real name. Trans people must feel somewhat similar, but it's not. Modern transsexual ideology is the ultimate self-hatred the lefties exude. They are oikophobes. They hate their skin color. They hate their sex. They hate their family, and it's all because they hate themselves at the core. Being trans is the ultimate in self-loathing feminism. Finally, trans ideology lets the self-hating lefties escape their core, the names bestowed upon them and the bodies that nature gave them. I think you're, you're very much right there, and I think it's why left-wingers typically are more emotionally animated as well, because although the right certainly does value stoicism to a certain extent, I think we're just, um, and the evidence shows this, we're more psychologically well-adjusted. And self-loathing is one of the, the best ways you get someone to be very motivated to go out and do external things because the last thing they want to do is sit and introspect because it's so psychologically discomforting to do so. If they actually sit and think about their actual problems and tangible ways of solving them, it makes them feel terrible because they see them as insurmountable. But Oh, I do that quite a lot. It makes me feel absolutely awesome. <laughs> but then I suppose, yeah, feel differently. Right. As in you, you sit and think and it... Think it, about myself. Well, if it makes you feel awesome, then you must have done something right. Yes. Um, should we do some, some, some uh, text comments? Got one. Sure. If, did you do? Did you do the Alex Bradby one? I'm, I'm, I did. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to do it again anyway because I like it. Sometimes the reading list is good. Sometimes it's not. And then there's Jennifer Connolly on a rocking horse. Had to <laughs> had to give that one. You a gave second it a bit innings. more something than I did. To yes. be fair. Uh, Matthew Hartshorn says, what do you guys actually think is your general take on vaccine situations? I, hard, I find it hard to believe it was a grand conspiracy from the whiff. No, it was a, it was a combination of, of broken systems, polluted incentive structures and so on. Uh, he, he goes on to say, Occam's razor suggested it was a cash grab that companies could push through. Uh, politicians can never just do nothing. Um, so they, so they uh, went ham-fisted on the vaccines and agreed to do anything and everything. Yeah, the, the system was corrupt and broken from head to tail. And they did something. And by the time they realised what a mistake they made, they can't admit to it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it is a grand conspiracy. It is a collection of, of many, many um, semi-grand mm -hmm. conspiracies. I agree. And I think that... Some of the elite probably got the vaccine as well, and it might well be in the same boat. Mm. The people who actually legitimately are pulling the strings. Yeah, whether they did or whether they didn't. That's, I mean, that's a big question. I mean, I mean I've, I've not necessarily tried to dig, but... Yeah. 
Um, Rick Archer says, is all I'm hearing is there's currently no evidence linking smoking to developing cancer. Yeah, that was the thing that they, they pushed back on for decades, wasn't it, until they finally had to admit it. Matt P says, really important first segment. Shame it can't go out on the YouTube, but that's the way it is. Yes, it is. Uh, really tragic stuff. As always, cheers, Lotus Eaters, for everything you do. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll go to them. Uh, Screwtape Laser says, Occam's razor clearly implicates the vaccine in excess deaths, but as Josh well knows, the powers to be will be able to claim there were too many compounding factors to ever assign causality. Yep. That's um, um, spot on. To, to an extent. I mean, they, they can fudge it, but... I don't know. I, I, I used to think that people were going to wake up at some point, but they just never do. I mean, e even when their own family members are dropping around them. Mm -hmm. I think there's, it's too easy to coast through life ignorant, but you get a lot of difficulty, you get a lot of pushback for actually pursuing the truth. And I mean, yeah. the reason I was so um, devoted to it is that I spent four years at university trying to find out about the nature of reality and I sunk a lot of money and time into it. So I actually legitimately care about knowing the truth, whether it helps me or not. You know, if it destroys me, I would rather, you know, at least know the world for what it is. Mm. Yeah, and I, 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 think, I, think, I think you and I are atypical in this respect. I think for a lot of people, their primary motivation is going to be staying within the herd because mm -hmm. that is where the safety is. And I, I remember speaking to somebody during the pandemic and I was basically just demolishing the reasons for everything that the government and the public health officials were doing. And I could see that he was believing the points that I was making, yet all the same it produced a physiological reaction. You could see it in the, in the body posture. And it was because he didn't like that I was making sense because he wanted to stay in the bubble of believing that the government loved him and were doing everything for him and that he could trust the media. Because if you shatter that... For a certain type of person, it must just leave them feeling naked and alone. It's it's like um, someone's reason for living being su suddenly yeah. taken away. It's a sort of comparable effect, perhaps slightly lesser, but it yes. gives them the same sort of Safety sense thing. of existential dread that is one of the most difficult things to confront as a, a sort of emotional state in a human being. So yeah. I understand why people are averse to it, but I, I don't have much sympathy for it because yeah. you should be willing to pursue what you believe to be true regardless yeah. of the, the the emotional and social consequences of that yeah uh one more before we get on to uh, the, the next sections uh let's go with um uh, nicholas valentine who says all news reports from the mainstream media relate to these excess deaths seem to be equitable to no links to vaccine trusters while blocking the ability to discuss it i've seen so many stories of athletes professional dancers and other jobs required to be actively dropping dead unexpectedly and when they do allow you to comment if you say the v word you are completely crazy conspiracies for, yeah exactly why are they why are they shutting it down a little bit Okay, so Anonymi says, Dan, that was the one of the most disgusting um, words I have ever heard. Mm. I, sir, am offended at such use of a word. Aluminium, my yes, I know. word, good I sir. Know. I'm highly disappointed in this moment of Yankism. Please, Dan, for the sake of Great Britain, for king and country, please make some tea. I, I, I will make my penance. <laughs> um, Based ape, I trained an AI on the writings of Joseph Stalin, Karl Marx, Mao Zedong, Benito Mussolini, Che Guevara, Adolf Hitler, Klaus Schwab, and of course Justin Trudeau. Turns out you can make the perfect lefty this way. We've been having a blast trolling people with it. No joke, we've been getting a lot of support from the Green Party on Twitter. Don't tell Elon. <laughs> There's a very high chance that he isn't joking. Um, 
No, he's not. Yeah. Um, no, Base Ape, you're a legend, as as you well know. And yes. uh, Good keep YouTube on doing that, that stuff. Yeah. Henry Ashman, um, Dan spot on about lefty clickbait journalists being easily automatable. Um, how do you um, know you're an NPC? How easily can an AI spit out all of your standard talking points whilst using your terminology? If it's easily, um, then I have a job seekers allowance form for you. This is at least less evil than the German newspaper having an interview with an AI-generated Schumacher, I guess. Which is true, yes, it is. Um, AI um, Stefan uh, Schoenhoff, sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, AI gaslighting lefty journos, I for one welcome our new robot overlords. And I appreciate that Simpsons reference as well. And I Don't think I'll do, oh sorry, I'll do oh, one more okay. and then um, we can move on to yours. Um, yeah. Richard... Uh, Monikin Dam, I think. Um, Irish women be black-facing now. Fake tan is pretty meh, but seriously, don't think media can criticise anything or anyone. People in glass houses. You can't, can't be Latinx if you are living in Ireland. Idiot, you are South American. Actually, um, I, I presume that this is commented before I revealed that it was mm, not real. So, um, uh. yes, you are right. Your, yes. your read of the situation was correct. Yeah, it had to be an AI to, to get that. All right, um, on, on to the WWYD section. Joan of Arc says, The sheer level of offence I'm hearing over Josh not knowing a particular celebrity bimbet is rather amusing. <laughs> yes, but, but it was Selma Hayek, right? Of, of, I'm of more course. of a Friedrich Hayek man myself. Fair enough. Right, um, the French vaccine says WWYD for Lotus Eaters Women when? Well, I suppose we could do that, but there's only one of them, so she'd win. But, you know, fair enough, she deserves it. Um, Pirate Tompskin says, Dan, don't let dem socialist titties fool you. (laughs) Yes, I've been taking it in. They're for everyone, aren't they? Um, Sophie Liv says, well, I can't say I complain over these new beauty standards now that I'm an automatic 10 for just showing up. Just by being a healthy size, youthful, and not obnoxious. I would have no chance against Connolly, but put me besides Lizzo and I am golden. <laughs> and um, do we have any Finnish women in the comments? I don't know. Because we, we, we do that one that, that, that does the video comments sometimes. She's usually got a sort of generic European accent, so I, I can never tell I think the you're on about Sophie, who you just read, who's yeah, Danish. That's what, it could, oh, Danish. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, well, that's, that's pretty close, isn't it? You know, close enough. Right. <laughs> Um, Alex, Alex, and in fact, he's prime minister. I thought they had Jarls. Yeah, go, go back about a thousand years, maybe. Right, okay. Alexander Drake says, Josh might be onto something. There's something about Gina Carrero that I can't put my finger on that makes her very attractive. Gina Carano, yeah. Yeah, no, she was in um, WWYD, um, mm-hmm. but I think she got knocked out as well. Um, Henry Ashman says, uh, where's that go to horny jail image meme when you need it? I dread to think what Connor will be thinking about this. Yeah, well, that's I... why we did this segment today because he's not in the office. He's... Yeah, he's off away at the Conservative conference. Yes. So, uh, so we... Rory asks your views on Pretty Patel. <laughs> <sighs> Stop it. Um, <laughs> I used to I used to work with Pretty Patel, and uh, we did not get on particularly well. Oh right. Well, I say I we I, I say I used to work with her. I used to work. She would turn up and basically make some phone calls and arrange some lunches. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that counts. She's right. uh, carrying a lot of weight around, though, isn't she? Uh, so well, to probably speak. all those lunches that she arranged successfully. <laughs> um, H- Henry Ashman says, oh, no, you know, I've done that one. Kevin Fox says, uh, it's like the old car advert with a sexy woman sprawled across the front seat. Truth in advertising, buy this crappy car and you'll be effed. Yes, probably doesn't work. 
would have thought. Um, Joan of Arc says, uh, I thought commercials in the 90s were trash too. Commercials like this Pepsi one were how I first picked up, even as a little kid, that feminism was nothing but lies and hypocrisy. Because if feminism was for real, they would have been boycotting Pepsi for being so overtly sexual. Yes, good out of that. Um, George Haps. Oh, we've got a bit. Oh, are we going to run out of time? But I'll do, I'll do, I'll do one George more. Haps. It'll be right. uh, WWYD fail and destroy civilization. It's their speciality. What are you talking about, man? What, what's going on here? I'm not um, entirely sure. Okay. Sorry, George. Um, but uh, uh, I'll I, I, I think about that one, George. Maybe you're onto something, but I don't know. But anyway, um, thank you very much for watching. And uh, I think Brokenomics is coming out at three o'clock. Yes, three o'clock. Three o'clock. BST today. So make sure to check that out. And um, Make sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, for the same podcast. Thank you very much for watching, and goodbye.